Well, from the moment I was placed on this planet and given the opportunity to have life and make choices, I became defined by choosing to be on the wrong side of the fence. I mean, me and the wrong side of the fence, I mean, we got along very well. I was one of these people that had a special gifting. I could make the wrong choice in any circumstance without fail. I could come to a fork in a path and I could without fail make the wrong choice. I was always on the wrong side of the fence. And then along came some people into my life who had woken up to Jesus and they were different than anyone I'd ever met. They, they started showing me his kind of love and they started telling me his truth, sometimes very, very hard truth, but a truth that truly did ultimately set free. They started involving me in the journey of knowing God and it changed me. And all of a sudden, that which used to define me being on the wrong side of the fence wasn't always what was true of me. I still had the great capacity to make bad choices to be on the wrong side of the fence. Quite frankly, I still have the capacity to make very bad choices and be on the wrong side of the fence. Roxanne often tells me I'm on the wrong side of the fence. But I have to tell you that that being on the wrong side of the fence is no longer my biggest challenge. It's no longer the thing that most defines me. Since I followed Jesus, I have found that now sitting on the fence is more of my definition. I'm not always on the wrong side of the fence, but I'm also not always on the right side of the fence. In fact, I have found that that sitting on the fence is a pretty comfortable place to be because you, you don't have to be all in. You don't have to be fully committed. You you don't have to reject something for something else. You don't have to commit yourself to one way. You can kind of hedge your bets. You can kind of have it all. Because you're sitting on the fence. The view is great and it's rather comfortable and yet it's a waste of a life because nothing happens sitting on the fence. The truth is that anyone who is determined to follow Jesus Christ has the same huge challenge that I have, the the challenge of deciding if we're ever going to get off the fence. You can go all the way back as far as God's people go back and you can find that, that the tendency was to take in the view but not step into life. In fact, the prophet Elijah, he was a great spiritual teacher way back in the Old Testament, confronted God's people for doing that very thing, for not going all in, for sitting on the fence. Here's how he said it in 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord's really God, then follow him, go all in for him. But if Baal is God, then follow him, go all in for him. But the people said nothing. They were just sitting on the fence. It's an easy place to be. The same thing happened under Joshua's leadership. You know, Joshua followed Moses and actually got to lead God's people into the land of promise. And they went in and they saw God do a mighty work and to really change the world, transform their lives. But over time, you know, they they stopped taking steps forward and they just started sitting on the fence. They, they started taking in and consuming and enjoying God's land of promise instead of forging forward in the spiritual adventure of following God and 
So one day, Joshua got up, and these are his words in Joshua 24, 15. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. Whether you're going to choose the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, or you're going to choose the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my household, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. He's saying you've got to make a choice. You've got to stop sitting on the fence. You can't have it all. You can't, you can't avoid making a decision if you're going to experience God's best. And he says, I'm all in for God. What are you going to be in for? And what we have to understand in life is that God has never called any one of us to a partial commitment. That's not how God works. God hasn't called any one of us, nor will he ever be pleased when we make a partial commitment. Look at how he says it in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus replies, you, you know, want to know what the great command is? You want to know what will ultimately allow you to experience all God has for you? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, if you're going to experience all God wants for you, he says it can be summed up in this thing, be all in. He he didn't say the greatest command is to love God with a part of your heart, with a part of your soul, with a part of your mind. God never asks for a partial commitment. And I, I probably wouldn't have understood this as well if I hadn't been married to my wife Roxanne for 35 years. She's made it very clear to me that she's not pleased with a partial commitment. You know, I would have loved it if I could have gotten married to Roxanne 35 years ago and said, I am going to be faithful to you 11 months out of the year. Do you think she would have married me? Honey, I promise it's only you and four other women I'll ever be true to. Oh yeah, that would go a long way with her. And yet this is how we treat God. We treat God as if a partial commitment's okay. I'm almost in. Almost. But he says, I want all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And and the truth is, he also says the same thing about our finances. Now this is interesting, and I'm going to tell you, we hate it when he starts talking about our finances. In fact... People get mad at me when I start telling them what God says about their finances. Why? Because the thing we care about most is the one thing we don't want people messing with. And Jesus says this loving God with all of our being doesn't stop when it comes to our finances. It goes right through it. And in Matthew chapter 6, look what he starts saying in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, you know that's where your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. You'll either hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't sit on the fence when it comes between God and money. You've got to choose. You can't serve both God and money. And then he compares... It to the pagans, and for those of you who, that's a weird word, pagan, it just means for those people whose life is lived on the wrong side of the fence. Those people who don't know God, don't follow God, don't worship God. The pagans run after all of these things. They're living for that which is temporary, for earthly treasure. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. So seek first his kingdom, Jesus says, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
In talking about money and giving, Jesus says you need to put God first, not last. In talking about giving and money, he says you should give out of the first fruits instead of out of the leftovers of your life. All in. And here's the reality. With God, it's all in or nothing. Please mark this down. Please stamp it in your soul. With God, it's all in or nothing. Jesus said it in these words in Luke 14, 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. It's all in or nothing. He's not up there celebrating that you're almost in. He's not up there celebrating that you're sitting on a fence. He's not up there celebrating that that you're just not on the wrong side all the time. He's wanting you all in or you won't really experience any of him. It's like marriage. All in or nothing. And you might go, I don't get it. How, How can I give him everything in my finances? What, every check I have, I've just got to like hand it in and how am I going to live? No. Here's what he means. You make him the owner and you the manager. You give him everything. And you know what? You're really not making him anything because he is the owner and you're just the manager. He's the one who provides it all. He's the one who owns it all. And you just acknowledge that and say, God, if you want to reshuffle how I disperse my time and my talent or my treasure, it's yours anyway. It's okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that. You're the owner. I'm the manager. It's all in or nothing. We have to understand that God has offered every single person the opportunity to be part of his kingdom, his work in this world. God has offered every single one of us to experience not only his fullness in our lives, but the fullness of him using our lives, making a difference. God has given every single one of us an opportunity to experience the life that only he can give in all of its fullness. But experiencing that demands making a choice to go all in. Which is why Jesus says the majority of people never will experience God's kingdom way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. Why? Because to experience his offer, you need to go all in. Now, I I kind of work in pictures. The only way I can really understand things is through pictures and stories, ultimately. And, And the picture that really helps me with this is the picture of Israel as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Israel had taken an unbelievable journey. They had been for 400 years in bondage to Egypt and then God came down in answer to their prayers and started displaying his power in unbelievable ways through what are called the ten plagues. And literally through the demonstration of his power, he broke the back of Pharaoh and broke the back of Egypt, the superpower nation of the day. And and these slaves not only got to leave Egypt... But the Egyptians were giving them out of their resources and their treasures that which was theirs. I mean, they, they'd left kind of rich, actually. And so they got to leave Egypt. And, and this God who broke the back of Pharaoh led them in the daytime with a pillar of fire and it, at, it, with a pillar of cloud and at night with a pillar of fire so they could see it. And, and he just led them and he led them right to the edge of the promised land, the land he'd been promising since Abraham. And this God who had displayed his power and showed that he could overcome even Pharaoh said, now it's time to go into the promised land. I'm going to give you the promised land. And if you know the story, Moses 
chose out 12 guys and sent them and said, just go, just go get a glimpse of the land and come back and get the people excited about what God's going to give them. And they went into the land and they came back. And two of the guys, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, it's awesome. It's everything God said it was. It is great. Yeah, there are some giants. I mean, there's like an army of Goliaths in the land. But that's okay because our God is bigger than those giants. And the same God who took down Pharaoh can take these giants down. And he promised us the promised land. Let's go. It's one more step. One more step. Let's take it. But then the 10 other spies spoke up and they said, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, yeah, God did all that stuff in Egypt, but there are giants in the land and their language is telling. They said, we are like grasshoppers to them. Grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb saw the giants, but they saw them in relationship to how they saw God. And so they were willing to step right into the giant's path because they knew God could take them down. The ten spies saw the giants in terms of their own size. And what grasshopper would ever purposely walk into the path of a Goliath? None. And ultimately Israel followed the ten spies instead of Joshua and Caleb. I mean it was an awful thing. Think about this. They had taken step after step after step. They had experienced the power and presence and promise of God in amazing ways. But then when they got to the edge of the promised land and they saw the giants and they were afraid of the next step and they saw themselves as small and they forgot to see God, they decided they had taken enough steps They weren't going to take the next one. They refused. And you know what the result was? It's sad. The result was they missed absolutely everything God had planned for them. The promised land. Every single one of that generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died and never got to go into the land of promise. They lived for 40 years experiencing circular movement in a lousy wilderness, all because they weren't willing to take one more step, the next step. They could have said, but look at all the steps we did take, but that wasn't enough because to keep moving, they had to take the next step. And why wouldn't they take the next step? Because they didn't have enough faith that God was big enough to fulfill his promise. Their insecurity and their fear was bigger than their faith. And so they refused to take their next step. And it's so sad they missed everything God had planned for them. Now notice, God still accomplished his plans because he still got his people into the promised land. The only thing that happened was those people who refused to take their next step missed the experience. Do you know how sad it is to live your whole life and never experience what God created you for all because you weren't willing to trust him with your next step? One next step? It's sad. And what we have to do today in the 21st century is we have to understand that there are still two kinds of people. There are the Joshua and Caleb's of this world and there are the ten spies in Israel. We're them. One or the other. There are those who are willing to 
keep moving forward, keep taking their next step, no matter how difficult and insecure and tenuous it seems to be, because they, we keep seeing God as bigger than our next step, as the challenge. We, we know that even when we can't see the firm foundation, when we take our next step, we'll always land on solid ground. But then there are those, no matter how many steps they've taken, a few or many, who get to the place where they say, I'm sorry, this next step is just too difficult. This next step is just too hard. This next step in this area of my life just looks like there are too many giants in my way. And we say no. And that leads to missing God's best. And here's the question before us right now. Each and every one of us, and we as a church family, stand at the gateway to all God has planned for us. God's promised he'll keep building his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. God's promised that we can be light in a world of darkness, that we can literally bring about transformation in this world. God's promised it. We look around and we know, oh my gosh, God's given us the potential to change the world. We've left Egypt. We've experienced his touch. We've experienced all that he's done in our lives to this point. But now at the gateway of God's promises and plans. We have the potential to say, you know what, I'm not gonna take another step. This is too much to ask, there are too many giants in the land, or I'm going to take the next step. The question is, which kind of people are we? Let me get really personal. The question is, what kind of person are you? I can limit the impact of this church family because I'm part of it. You can limit the impact of this church family because you're part of it. And all we have to do to limit it is refuse to take the next step. Now let me put it in terms of, of spiritual growth. Because look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The whole job of believers, the whole job of a church family is ultimately to grow spiritually. God says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're we're supposed to keep growing. We're supposed to keep growing. We're supposed to keep growing. Well, if we're going to keep growing, what do we have to do? We have to keep moving forward. Growth demands learning new things. Growth demands going in new places. Growth demands taking the next step. You know what growth really demands? Getting off the fence. You'll never grow on the fence. Never. You'll just watch the world go by on the fence. To grow, you have to take the next step. And let me just tell you, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, at the very, very beginning, or thousands of steps down the pathway, wherever you are, to keep growing demands taking the next step. And the truth is, some steps seem really easy. I mean, they really do. I've been on this journey a long time, and the some steps have seemed really, really easy. It kind of reminds me again in picture form of, of Israel. Can you imagine? They had been slaves. They had been devastated for 400 years in Egypt. The, the one thing they wanted to do was to leave Egypt, to get out of there, and then God showed up and answered to their prayers, and, and literally one plague after another with all of his power broke the back of Pharaoh, and they were encouraging them to leave. Go ahead, leave. Here's our stuff. Leave. Get out of here. Can you imagine how easy those first steps were? They weren't walking. They were running. Woohoo! You know, it was easy. Why was it so easy to take those steps? Because they had seen God so big that they knew they could leave. 
This isn't a big step. This isn't a big step. God's watching over us. God's protecting us. This is great. But then all of a sudden, they came to the Red Sea. Can you imagine how difficult it would have been walking through the Red Sea? And I'm not talking about when it was still there and, you know, putting your foot. I'm talking about when the Red Sea was like the wall of water, however high. Wall of water, however high. You, you just say, oh, yeah, they went through on dry land. Yeah, with walls of water on either side. I'm going to tell you, that wouldn't have been an easy step for me. Here's what I would have done. You go first. I had never walked through something like that before. That would have been difficult. Do you know what was, why it was hard for them to go into promised land? Because they had never gone into a place with giant armies before. They had never experienced anything like that. And so all of a sudden, it was easy to leave Egypt because they saw God work in that territory. But now they were going to sit on a fence because they had never seen him take down a giant before. Some steps are easy because we've seen God work in that place, but... Sometimes the next step is tough because we're walking into new territory and this is exactly what's going on in some of our lives right now as it relates to finances. I've, I've never given out of the stuff he's provided with me this way before. I, I've always been able to use it all or save it all or keep it all and keep security and I, I, I don't think I'm going to take that step. For us to experience growth spiritually demands forward movement, a next step. And every single one of us as individuals and we as a church are facing the next step. And we've shown you in the all-in devotional. If you're new to us today, we have a, a, an all-in spiritual formation book we've been going through together for the last five weeks that have gone along with the talks. And we have a, a, a giving journey chart in there. And it shows your next step. And for some it seems easy, but for some it seems very difficult. And it's all about how big your God is, where your faith is. And for some of you, your first step is your next step. I'm giving for the first time. This is a big deal. For the very first time I'm giving. And some of you, your next step is to start giving more than just one time. I'm starting to give occasionally and go, oh man, it's like, whoa. And then some of you, your next step, if you're going to keep growing, is to start giving intentionally. Like a percentage of what God's given you. And for some of you, your next step is to begin tithing because God said, I've given it all, just give 10%. And for some of you, your next step is to become an extravagant giver, going way beyond where you've been giving already and way beyond the tithe. But wherever you're at, it's the next step. And remember, Israel took a bunch of steps and then they got to the promised land and that's when they said, no, I'm not going to take that step. And each of us, if we're going to keep growing, each of us, if we're going to keep experiencing God, have a next step. The question is, Will we refuse or will we take it? And for me, do you know what stands in the way? I'm going to tell you, this dumb fence. Because I have found that it's really comfortable to sit on this fence. I've taken a lot of steps in my giving journey, a lot of steps. I've gone from not giving at all to giving, you know, first time and then occasionally and then intentionally and then tithing and then Roxanne and I years ago stepped way beyond the 10% and we started giving extravagantly and I've taken a lot of steps and I've been really challenged in this season because even though it was sacrificial giving, we've become comfortable with it. 
We know God takes care of us at the level of our giving now. We know we can exist on our level of giving now. We know we can be secure on our level of giving now. I mean, we're really good. And so I've been, I, I've been wanting to stay on the fence and I want to see you taking the journey, but I'm, kinda, I'm already a long way. Catch up to me and then I'll start taking more steps. That's kind of, I'm really comfortable sitting on the fence. There's only one problem with sitting on the fence. When you refuse to take your next step, you're no longer growing. When you refuse to take your next step, you're no longer experiencing God's best. When you refuse to take your next step, you're no longer part of what God's doing. And I don't want to be there. It's comfortable to stay on the fence. But there's one big problem with sitting on the fence. You won't experience God's best. There have been times when I sat on the fence and didn't take my next step. And every single one of those times, I've experienced loss. And I've regretted the choice. There have been a lot of times I've gotten off the fence and I've taken steps. And I'm going to tell you scary, scary, scary things. But I've never not even once regretted it once I've done it. Quite frankly, right now, you're experiencing in the last five weeks me taking a next step, getting off the fence I didn't want to get off. For about three years, I knew that God wanted me to do a series like this. And for about three years, I enjoyed my fence. I didn't want to do this. I'm just telling you, I didn't want to do it. But I got to the place where I said, God, I'm not going to stay on the fence. I'm going to get off and I'll take this step. And I don't know what's going to happen. People are going to get mad. People are going to leave. People are going to do all this different stuff. And God whispered, maybe the people you hate will leave. That'll be a good thing, right? No, he didn't really say that. I said it and put his voice to it, that kind of thing. But I finally said, okay, God, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm, I'm all in. I'm taking this step. And I'll be wrestling, and I'll take the step, and I'll challenge others to take the step, and I'll leave the results to you. And it's not so much about what the resources ultimately are. You know what it's about? It's about what our hearts are. And here's what I know. If we honor God and trust God enough to take our next step, where God guides, he provides. We'll have everything we need to move forward. We just will. But if we don't, we'll get locked out of the promised land. Personally, sitting on the fence is really easy, but I don't want to live in loss. And I want to tell you, it can be a scary thing to step into new territory, giants in the land. It can be scary. But I can tell you from experience, biblically and personally, that you'll never regret it. And no matter where you are right now, no matter where you are, there's a next step that you should take. You shouldn't live in the land of comfort because it will never take you where you want to be. You don't want to miss God's best. And here's what you have to understand about the Christian life. It's not about looking back. It's about looking forward. I have found that looking back can be unbelievably comfortable. It's when I look forward that it can get scary. It's looking forward that I can become insecure. It's looking forward where I can start to doubt and not want to keep stepping forward. But... But every hero of the faith that we celebrate became a hero not by looking back and not by sitting on the fence, but by stepping forward. Do you want to be like those you celebrate? Or do you want to be like those whose names we don't even remember? 
Look at Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How did Abraham become such a great man of faith, the father of faith? Because he kept stepping forward. He never sat on the fence. He kept looking forward. Don't you want to be like him? I do. How about Moses? Look at Hebrews eleven twenty six. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. He was raised in Pharaoh's household. He had Pharaoh's treasures and he stepped out of that to serve this unknown God to Egypt and these unknown slave-like people. And why did he do it? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He got off the fence and he chose. Look at Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what he said? I know I'll never hear well done from God if I'm sitting on a fence. I have to keep pressing forward. And I'm just going to be honest with you because I want to keep growing because I want to experience God's best in my life because I don't want to be lost in a wilderness wandering in circles and just existing in this life because I really do want all that God has planned for me. I've decided I'm taking my next step. I'm I'm getting off the fence and I've decided that Joshua's words are going to become my words As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're all in. We're all in. And because I care so deeply for you, and because I care so profoundly for this church family and all that God has set before us, I hope and I've been praying that you'll join me in getting off the fence and in taking your next step forward. I mean, I'm praying that you won't get lost in, in the fears and the insecurities and the difficulties of taking that next step. And I know for some of you, it seems like a really big step, more difficult than other people's steps. But I want you to understand that you're facing in your life the same thing that everyone else here is facing, your next step of faith. That's it. Your next step. And that's what it takes to grow. And that's what it takes to experience. And that's what it takes to walk into God's promised land. Your next step. And I'm going to tell you it's worth taking because you're taking a step into the place of God's promise. And our great God is always faithful. Our great God unlike everyone else in this world, never fails us. And our great God will come through if we take our step. If not, we'll stand at the gateway and never experience what he has for us. And so what we have to consider in these moments we have today, this weekend, is whether or not we're going to trust God our great I am enough to take our next step. Spend some time, contemplate that as we worship that great I am. 
Everything we are as a church family and every ministry we have that's investing around the world for life change exists today because people took their next step in the past. But now it's time to seize the same thing and even larger impact in the future by this church family today stepping forward. It takes a step. And I know there are going to be some people who go, oh, you know, there are all kinds of reasons not to take the step. There are giants in the land. And I get it. I'm a human being. I get it. But the things we miss when we don't keep stepping are forever lost. God's will will be done. God's kingdom will be done. But we'll miss it. Let's not miss it. You have to take your next step. So we're going to do it together as we bring this weekend, this series to an end. And I'm actually going to invite our guest service team to come and they have these commitment cards and we're going to pass them out. And I just really encourage you, you can do whatever you want with it, but I, I just encourage you, each and every one of you, if you're a family or a couple or an individual, have one of these. And then as soon as they're in your hands, I'm going to come up and I'm going to lead out in us taking this next step together and I'll share how and then following that we're going to worship and I have an experience that's going to help mark this moment in our minds forever but first get one of these cards and then I'll come back and lead you through it Last weekend, I was able to share how what makes God's family strong is when all the individual parts get involved together. And I just think there's great pleasure in God's heart when a church family, in a moment like this, decides together to get involved, to take a next step. Think of the tsunami of compassion that can be released to wake the world up to Jesus when we all take our next step. Just think of the darkness that will be divided and the light that will be cast when we do it. What we're going to do is we're going to give you about five minutes to, to work through this commitment next step card. And there's personal information you put on the back and then you fill in. It's pretty self-explanatory blanks. And just so you know, for five weeks, we've been laying out the spiritual realities of this. And you've been encouraged to be praying over this and what God would have you take as the next step. And I believe some came with a very comfortable step and God's challenging you forward. That's what happened with Roxanne and myself. And some of you came not even thinking of it and you're going to be challenged forward. But I just encourage you, spend some time, make it prayerful to take your next step. And then I'll come up and share with you how we're going to conclude that and remember it. But before you do this, let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you give the opportunity for us to be a part of your promise unfolded in our lives and the world. And yet you've said the majority will never experience it because the majority gets to the place where they just can't trust you enough to take the next step. Please, God, don't let that happen to us. Give us wisdom, give us strength to take the next step, whatever it is. And then I pray that you'd pour out your blessings of impact. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You take your time. I'll be back in a moment.
having been there myself through this process, I know some of you are still struggling and you're going, no, it's not time, you're wrestling. I get it. Go ahead and keep doing that. You have time as we move forward. And I just have to say I am, I am so proud of and thankful for a church family that's willing to wrestle with the tension of applying truth. It's so easy to just sit on the fence together. It's so difficult to walk through the challenge together. But, but what happens when people do that is the world changes as we change. And, and I'm just proud of you for being willing to wrestle with that. For those of you who have taken the next step, I'm really, really proud of you. And what we're going to do now is we're going to collect your commitments together. We're getting involved. And I'm going to invite our guest service team forward, and you're going to see that they're carrying backpacks. We're going to collect your, your next step commitments in backpacks. And the reason, if you think about it, it makes sense. We're taking a journey together. We're going on this great adventure together. And you can't go on a hike or an adventure without a backpack, right? I mean, you need it. And so we're going to put our thing in this backpack. But some of you, you're, you're, you're as cynical as I am. You're as jaded as I am. And so you see these, you go, really? You're going to waste money on backpacks when we're trying to invest in changing the world? Really, Brad? And let me just tell you, this is really just an expression of compassion because every one of these backpacks has been purchased for a foster kid who desperately needs it in order to go about their lives and go through school. So it's an act of generosity. As the backpack goes through, put your commitment in there. And then what we're going to do is we're going to worship together and then stay because then I'm going to help you mark the moment so we can remember it forever. And I'm going to tell you, when you make that decision, as difficult as it may be, it comes with no regrets. No regrets. And I am so excited for what God's going to do, but I want you to remember it. And so in the Bible, when Joshua led his people through the promise, through the Jordan River to the promised land, he said, because people forget and they ultimately get to the place where they aren't willing to take the next step, I want you to pick up 12 big stones and I want you to build a marker so people can always remember, as tough as the next step may be, I'm always faithful, it's worth taking. And we want to do the same thing. So what we did is we went out and we got a rock for every single one of you. It was a scary decision because we knew that you could maybe throw it, you know, but... We're asking you not to do that. Uh, It's a rock of marking the moment. And what we're going to invite you to do as individuals, as families, and here at Northridge Plymouth, it's in the activity center, there's tables and tables and tables of rocks where you can go, some in the chapel, and for those of you in the balcony, they're in the hallway up there going towards the south entrance, but go get a rock, and you can do what Roxanne and I did. We put all in and a passage that meant to some, something to us, and then uh, we put our name on there, and then you leave your rock. And what we're going to do is we're going to on this campus and on each of our campuses, we're going to create a landscape faith monument with these rocks. And here at Plymouth, we think it's going to be in the shape of the all-in heart and it will be forever existing here on the Northridge campus so we can always remember what God's doing and what God has done came because we took the next step. Let's keep growing together. Let's keep growing together. 
I'm really proud of you. Get your rock. Leave it for us. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks, everybody.